This is Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. One of my skis has sort of crawled on top of another one. And when your skis cross, a rule comes into effect called the tandem skiing rule, which states if your skis are crossed and there's anyone in your vicinity, you're now allowed to hook them. Like the double-decker, just a single hard-shell taco wrapped by a soft tortilla. But here's the genius. In between, they put in refried beans to act as an adhesive. Like a... Uh, some observational comedy there from Wayne Fetterman, Douglas Viviani here with David Cohen on Everything Old is New Again. The history of stand-up from Mark Twain to Dave Chappelle. Clearly a book that if you're interested in comedy, you need to get your, your hands on. There's a timeline even in there at the end of the book of comedy from the beginning to uh, to now. And uh, it's, just, it's just so interesting to see an art form that we have seen for so many years. And some people take for granted. You see it on TV all the time or wherever and, and see it in to a book and come alive in a book, so to speak, and be codified. It's a, it's a great uh, a great read. The history of stand-up from Mark Twain to Dave uh, Chappelle. Uh, let's talk a little bit, Wayne Fetterman, about uh, we we spoke about Don Rickles a little bit a couple sections ago, and I wanted to um, to mention him because in in our uh, world today we're a little bit prickly we're a little bit sensitive about things and we had we, david had mentioned previously we had a, a show about stand-up we did a couple of them and one of the points that i tried to make and i don't know if this works is is that don rickles yes he was insulting but he was insulting everyone he was insulting everybody with sort of a wink people that you know went into the audience kind of wanted to be insulted that was the audience at the time and the whole point of it was he even did it you know to president reagan at his inauguration the, the whole thing is he wanted i think think people to recognize and i think the point of it was you know he's joking around to show the absurdity of these stereotypes of these uh, individuals that are out and about in the world and i'm just trying to bring it to the nth degree to show you how ridiculous it is maybe i'm wrong but that's my interpretation of don rickles and the second question would be would he work today maybe i mean it would be really hard because like here's a great example way audiences have changed and that they would not accept uh i don't think they would accept rickles absolute racial stereotyping and ethnic stereotyping of japanese and all of that stuff uh black people the whole thing so but in the same time rickles audiences would be absolutely aghast at the use of the mf compound word and all of this stuff that happens comedy now so it just it's just what people are sensitive to just changes over time i can't imagine somebody could get away with what rickles got away with to me the genius of don rickles wasn't the racial stereotyping and that was the basis of the humor the genius of rickles was his lightning fast improvisations were years ahead of their time like way way past what jackie leonard was doing in the other insult comedians of the day so that's why i adore that guy and i think why i love young comics loved him because he was like oh it's not like rickles was speaking some great truth about humanity but rickles was using ethnic and racial stereotypes to add to launch this incredible improvisational mind and it was just Fantastic to watch, and I'm sure there might be somebody on Twitter right now who's going to go, Wayne Fetterman is a racist because he likes Rickles. Bring it on, because I just think that if 
that guy was so to me so funny but i could understand why he would be offensive today what do you guys think? Well, I think he's a. If, if you're thinking he's offensive, then you're not. Uh, you're not in the day. You might be someone that's maybe in the twenties and and wasn't back in the day. In that, in that, he was not. I don't think. I think it's pretty obvious. Wasn't serious about what he was saying. I think, as I said before, he was bringing it out to show guys what are we laughing at. And by the way, we're all the same. And he said it at the end of his show all the time. We're all the same. We're all human beings. We're all people. We just. It's it's all this this silliness of being so sensitive about all this stuff. He's got to go by the wayside. Otherwise, in the bigger picture, there can be no comedy because then I guess all you're allowed to talk about is yourself, right? I mean, what else can you talk about if you can't talk about other people and interactions with other people? Because you're offending right? someone. You're, you are making a great point. We are in the era of self-comedy where it's like you are the subject of your comedy act. And that's really... And so you can't be criticized because you're talking about yourself. And I think it's also a way of deflecting the speech police that are out there now. So I don't know. I mean, I just feel like this is just goes in waves. And I assume eventually there'll be a guy who'll figure out how to do it. And yeah, I it'll be interesting to see what happens post pandemic when. Yeah. When there's live performances again and people want to be out there and they want to laugh. And I'm just wondering if they'll be a little more accepting of, you know, maybe not a straight Don Rickles act, but but something along those lines, uh, just just because they're free and they're out and they're about and they want to have fun again. I, I think so. I mean, again, I, so. I, I it's not for me to even judge what the average audience is going to like or not like and also comedy is very much like music now there's like commit like you there's rhythm and blues there's jazz there's rock there's uh, singer songwriters like that's comedy now there's so many lanes you can pick and i'm sure someone's going to pick a lane that's like a little more open to talking about racial stuff in a in a funny way but i i don't know i mean Again, let's go back to the original thing you read out of my book, which was that it's generational. Like for the people that went through World War II and all of that stuff, it's, yes, Don Rickles was a perfect example of like, oh, we're a melting pot. This is what America is. But now it's a little, we're a little more tribal than we were back then. So the comedy is going to reflect that. I can't believe I'm talking this seriously about comedy. It's annoying. <laughs> yeah, this took a really dark turn. But, you know, I'm wondering. I know. That- Why did you bring this up? <laughs> I want to talk about uh, Wally Bogue. Come on, man. <laughs> well, I want to talk about for a second the idea that, you know, what, exactly what you're saying is, you know, Chris Rock uh, goes one way with it. Kevin James goes another way with it uh, in terms of blue, not blue, uh, clean, whatever. Sebastian Maniscalco uh, sells out Madison Square Garden. So your comedy is alive and well. Who is it that you feel today that uh, could be, uh, I don't know, I guess it's Sebastian in some way. You tell me. Somebody that when we get out of this pandemic is going to run uh, run with the ball and, and continue to sell like like crazy. Or are we starting from scratch? I have no idea. I mean, I have no I mean, certainly at the top right now, since he sort of stepped away because of that situation, his situation of some offstage activities. I do think it's Bill Burr and Dave Chappelle, who's the, on the cover of my book and and certainly John Mulaney seems to be up there and Jim Gaffigan is selling out places and Kevin Hart by the way sold out a football stadium doing stand up Lincoln Financial Field a football stadium right so wow. just think you think you saw something at Nassau Coliseum with Steve Martin could you imagine going to a football stadium 
So those guys definitely. And then right below them, there's a whole crop of guys who are just ready to take it to that level. Obviously, Amy Schumer, I think, is an awesome arena act. I mean, it's, my book's not a predictive book. It's, it's a history book. There we go. It is, it is a history book. And uh, uh, David Cohen, I just uh, uh, having some fun here talking uh, to you and, and to Wayne Fetterman. We're stepping outside of the box, so to speak, to let you know we taped this interview in every section. This week, David and I will comment a little bit about this interview. We had we had a lot of fun with, with Wayne and and uh, David Cohen. I thought, yeah, like I said, I thought I thought Steve Martin was was a big big thing. Now apparently, he's no. Cap- Kevin Hart at uh, in Philly at a football stadium. Uh, I, I guess it wasn't as great as as uh, we were led to believe. No, we're kidding around. The point is that he's right. How do you you know? How do you top Steve Martin at eighteen? Hundred percent. Go to a football stadium with uh, fifty thousand. That must have been unreal to see a comedian. I mean, think about you know we talk about this and everyone thinks about this eighteen thousand. That was fifty thousand people. How yeah. could you pay attention? It didn't. It wasn't a problem at the Coliseum. I'm so interested though. Fifty thousand screaming and yelling. Could you hear him? What was the sound like and all of that? I'm sure it's had to be good this day and age. I'm sure they had him up on these those huge projection screens, you know, so people can see him. Right, right. But, you know, in some way, it's kind of weird, right? Because if you're if you could really just see him, if you're up in the nosebleeds and you could see him on this giant screen, it's sort of like being at home watching him on TV, except you kind of know he's all the way down there. Like, you know, right. That little speck of a little bug like thing and um but there is that one thing though that of i totally get that 100 percent. but when when you're in a shared environment with other people and uh and you're looking around there's just that that feel of humanity and and the good nature you don't mean like that intangible that you feel in the air no absolutely yeah nothing can compare to being with the crowd plus i mean I've never heard 50,000 people laugh in unison. Right. I, I don't know if they did during that, but that would be pretty cool, too. That's actually a, that's a great idea. And I wonder, walking out, what the attitude of all the people were. You bump into somebody, you step on somebody's shoelace and whatever. Does does the, does the fact that you just laughed together for two hours, whatever it was, uh, eliminate all that nonsense of our day-to-day anger at other people or you know being miffed at someone pushing into you for a moment or something you know yeah, i think it would i hope minutes, it would but <laughs> you think it only lasts a couple minutes so you get back to the car and you're sitting in traffic again yeah. <laughs> you just laugh with this guy and had a great time for two hours and and you have a fender bender in the parking lot and all of a sudden there's fisticuffs i don't know exactly <laughs> next thing you know right you're right back in reality <laughs> that's a real negative form of attitude i i, I would hope they would be different but you're probably right um <laughs> We'll be back out of this and everything all will do again to continue with Wayne Fetterman discussing the history of stand-up from Mark Twain to Dave Chappelle. you got to get this book. Now, back to America's Entertainment Pop Culture Talk Show. Everything old is new again with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. I liked the name Wayne until the fourth grade when my teacher was like, you know, Wayne is also a word. I go, I did not know that. She goes, yeah, it's a verb. I go, what does it mean, like to run or to play? She's like, oh, no, no, no. It means to diminish slowly over time. (laughs) Are you ready to rock? Uh, No, Mr. Dockin, we're not. Uh... There's 12,000 of us here. We've been chanting your name for 20 minutes. We're wasted. We're here to do a roundtable on the Peloponnesian War. We thought... We don't need no education. Oh, yeah? Well, that's a double negative. 
<laughs> there you have a little more of the comedy stylings of Wayne Fetterman, if you will, our guest this week and last. He's the author of The History of Stand-Up from Mark Twain to Dave Chappelle, a tremendous book. Uh, David Cohen, you have a question? Uh, you're raising your hand here. Would you like to ask uh, Wayne a question? <laughs> Wayne, what about you? Do you have any desire to, to, to do stand-up again when you can? I, I, yeah. Of course, our date's booked, but later in the year. I don't really, not really looking forward to playing like a third of a house with everyone in masks right. and like plexiglass between every table. That doesn't really appeal to other things. Um, as I said, I'm working on a, a documentary on, right. for HBO on George Carlin. So that's, that's taking up some time. But yeah, I already have dates booked in Florida and Arizona, believe it or not, in November and December. Awesome. That's great. That's Thank great. you. And, and we're looking forward to seeing you back uh, here selling out the NASA Coliseum or at least uh, the local governors or whatever it might be. <laughs> like <laughs> any, anywhere in between. I don't know if I could sell out the, <laughs> the the brokerage. I don't know if I could sell out the brokerage. <laughs> well, I, I tell you, this this book might might raise a, a few eyebrows because, you know, when when you're looking at and trying to figure out, you know, where did all this come from? I mean, that's what our show is, is, is looking at the foundation of what came before what we're seeing now. And, uh, you know, that's what everything old is new again is about and, and been doing for seven years. And, and this is a perfect topic for that. Uh, and I think obviously what you're saying is that uh, – you know what came before needs and to, to, you know, let's take a look at it and see where it came from uh, so we can enjoy what it is today can i make one quick point sure. is that when the hbo specials came out in the late 70s obviously robert klein did the first one and George carlin did one in 77 but a lot i, I listed in the purposely toady fields did one myron cohen did one so there was like old school headliners were doing these specials so i just want somebody who's reading the book like I don't even know who these people are. And they were doing our specials. I've never, so maybe they would be like, oh, there were comedians before Chris Rock came around. So that, that's part of it. Yeah, I think it's important. Pat Cooper was the name. I couldn't remember. Pat, Pat Cooper, Cooper was the name. Right. Pat right. Cooper did one. You know what I mean? So these are comics. Like, I don't know if they're legendary. I mean, they were big when I was a kid. So I just want them to know there was people doing comedy before. Well, let me ask you, would, it, would this then lead into a sequel that would be these stand-up comedians that became uh, movie stars in any way? Because a lot of or television stars in today's world. Well, I talk about that in the book quite a bit. But you got to go. You go back to Bob Hope, my old buddy from 1978. I mean, if you really think what made him great was not just the stand-up, not just the Pepsodent show on on radio, it was those movies, the big broadcast of 1938. But there was actually a couple of movies, one called The Cat and the Canary and Ghost, Ghostbusters, Ghost, Ghost something, Ghost, wow, I can't remember the name of that. Can't be Ghostbusters, right? No. Um, so, but anyway, The Cat and the Canary was the first one, these early movies, and he was just great in them. And that totally... So, so totally elevated his career. So I see uh, behind you've got Martin Lewis. Uh, yeah, you, know, you see that? Do you can you tell what movie that is? Um, no, I only. It's got to be an early okay. one because they're wearing a. They look very young. Yeah, in suits, right? Yep, from 1952, it's called The Stooge, my favorite Martin and Lewis movie. Wow. Yeah, get a chance to see it. It's incredible. They've, they've done some great stuff. There's great movies. There's great, uh, you know, stand-up on, you know, all over YouTube and all. It does become dated and all that. The movies might uh, sometimes be dated, but not necessarily. Yes, Wayne? Shocked oh, interesting. Said. Like when you, no, you attack me, and then at the end of it, you're like, oh, these things, it's like you're making my point. The things <laughs> become dated. 
We were trying to be, end on a friendly note, Wayne. That's what it's all about. <laughs> I love it. I was, I was under attack at the end. He's like, guess what, Wayne? I agree with you. Okay. Listen, you have to realize I'm an attorney, right? i got to play point-counterpoint. There's got to be some conflict. Otherwise, there's nothing to talk about, is there? <laughs> I, I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Do the summary now and uh, move on. You are right all along. <laughs> I could be the foil. It's okay. I don't mind. Listen, I'm the foil. I love it. I love it. I'm sweat. I'm in my house. I'm sweating. I'm like, what is this? I didn't know. It's gonna- well, what what do you usually? F. Lee, F. Lee Bailey is going to take me apart here. I just on the history of comedy. What uh, <laughs> you know, like, why isn't J. Fred Muggs in your book? Is another question. But no. Um, wh- <laughs> why in the world? Uh, what are, what what are you getting for questions from other shows? I'm curious because we try to be a little different. Are we? Has it was it different? What do they usually ask you? Oh, I love this show. Well, first of all, as you can tell, I'm like by the movie posters behind me. Like, I love old time show business, but I actually love what's going on in stand up today just as much. Like, I love what's happening in stand up now. I think it's really exciting. There's different guardrails, like we talked about earlier. In the earlier generations, it was like you couldn't say, damn, you can say, damn, in vaudeville. You couldn't say, slaw. So. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah. Think about what those guys. So no, I love. I you know I can't get enough of it. I love. I, I'm a radio and vaudeville. Like I love that era. Pre anything, I like actually pre microphone comedy. How about that, the microphones come around in like 27. So and like before then, I'm like, how are those guys doing it in the theater? How is Burt Williams getting these laughs? Like I'm just fascinated by yeah. how it's even possible. Obviously, Twain is one of those guys. And just to stand there and, and off the top of your head, well, it's not off the top of your head, but it seems to be off the top of your head, uh, say things and tell stories and get laughs is is got to be the, uh, the one of the hardest, to me, one of the hardest things to do uh, or at least break into uh, out of all things. I mean, more than a lawyer and whatever. I mean, because there's, there's no school for this per se, although it looks like USC's got a little bit of a head start on that. Um, and Steve Martin's trying to do a master class in it. But, yeah. you know, it's it's more or less like, throwing you to the wolves when you start stand-up you just just go ahead knock yourself out like they said to me at 17 which i had no experience about anything but thought i could make people laugh so just go on stage just go do it you know like oh okay huh so it's just you got to have the guts right i mean all these comedians have got to have guts to be able to like yourself to be able to take i don't know if i agree with that there was yes i think during the nightclub era you had to be like a puncher you had to be like you know those guys Buddy Hack, you know, Buddy Hackett. Yeah. But now there's like a comedian you should really check out named Maria Bamford. And she comes out of the alternative comedy school. And I don't think she could have survived in the in the, what Joan Rivers had to go through to become a comedian. She, she's way too sensitive. But she is so funny and so interesting. And it's like I would equate her to Jonathan Winters is what I would say. But through a sensitive little girl, she's from the Midwest and she just does voices and you're in her head and she does her mom and she's just so surprising and interesting and provocative and, and super clean. She doesn't do anything dirty and it's just a real just a real comedic savant. Maria Bamford is her name. So, and she's not like it's not like, you know, huge Amy Schumer level or something, but. 
definitely going to look that up. That's uh, and see what she's what she's doing, what she's going to do. Because yeah. listen, in all this time, all these things that's going on, there's nothing better than sitting back and having a laugh for, for a couple hours in a club or uh, whatever you're going to do on it. It's, it's, it's honestly, to me, there is nothing better. Which is the reason why it's uh, amazing uh, to be able to and have the capability of listening to everything old is new again every week right here on your favorite radio station. Right, David Cohen? Yeah, there's little sprinkles of humor here and there. If you listen long enough, you'll hear something remotely funny. <laughs> exactly. Also, something that might be, might be weird. We have sometimes the uh, aficionado of all things odd, Dr. Viviani on. That's not such a bad uh, turn of events sometimes. You like that new nickname we've given him? Not really, but okay. <laughs> you don't like aficionado of odd? Uh, what did we used to say? The ufologist extraordinaire? There you go. Yeah, I like that. All right. He's so not we'll... odd. I don't find. No, he's the aficionado of all things odd. So if there's something odd, he's an aficionado of it. I like the ufologist. I All like right. that. Okay, so we'll stay with that let's, one for Let's a while. stick with that. And then there's also uh, food eating contests we've, we've had. True. We've done the hot True. dogs. We've done the hamburgers. We've done the, um, uh, what would you call it? I guess candy, we'd say. What, what would oh, be next? Oh, those food shows are great that like, we've done. I would definitely go back and listen to those. We've got to get back to those. We've missed those a little bit uh, during the pandemic, right? We haven't gotten, because David's in another location these days and for the last year. That's right. That uh, doesn't mean we can't do it remotely. That's right? true, but you don't, like, if we're going to do cereal and I do like, you know, 10 different cereals, you got to buy 10 different cereals. i got to buy the same thing. Yeah. So we could, That's okay. What else am I doing? Uh, all right. But would you do what it? What else am I spending my money? What cereal now? Fifteen dollars a box, ten boxes. I can handle it. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, our show is occasionally funny, but Wayne Fetterman's very funny guy, and that, that this was a funny show. It was of that. Yes, and that's why we're extending him. it to, to to two weeks because Wayne is a uh, he's a, really was a great guest. We hope to have him back. Let's be honest. We just hit the tip of the iceberg of of all of these this topic about the history of stand up, which is. His, I think his I told one. him this off the air, but he's like just one of those guys that. When he walks on to a TV show you're watching or in a movie, you know, you always get those people who are like, oh, that guy, he's so funny, right? Exactly. He's, he's definitely right and, up there. And you always know when he's going to, like I said, when he's going to come on the screen, uh, you're going to, he puts a smile on your face because you already you're gonna laugh. anticipate and know that it's going to be funny. We'll be back. It's Everything Old. It's new again with Wayne Fetterman. Barbecue guy here with Fondue Guy. We're having a nice little barbecue here. Beginning of the summer, we got the pork loin. What do you think, yeah, Fondue? Well, thank you for inviting me, but I'm not big on pork loin. Do you have anything else, perhaps? I well, can I'll eat? tell you, I got this jar, this spiked cherries. They're bowls of fire, and also got the original kind from HowieSpike.com. I'm going to use the, the au jus that's in there and pour it as a nice marination over the pork loin. We put the jar down here. You could try a cherry if you want. I don't know. Oh, yeah, let me let me try one of those cherries because it might be the only thing I can eat here today. Let's see, right out of the jar. Mmm. Mm, I like these. Ah, nice to see. I'm glad you see that. Glad you have it. You can eat it right out of the jar if you like. 10% alcohol. HowieSpike.com. That's the two S's. HowieSpike.com. All right. I'm Fondo, I need that. I need the jar back. I got to use some more au jus on the steak here. Oh, one sec. Oh, one sec. One sec. I need the, I need the jar. Almost done. Almost done. HowieSpike.com. This is Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show. With Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. One of my skis has sort of crawled on top of another one. And when your skis cross, a rule comes into effect called the tandem skiing rule, which states if your skis are crossed and there's anyone in your vicinity, you are now allowed to hook them. 
like the double-decker, just a single hard-shell taco wrapped by a soft tortilla. But here's the genius. In between, they put in refried beans to act as an adhesive. Like a... There you go. A little more stand-up from Wayne Fetterman, our special guest here on Everything Old is New Again. The history of stand-up from Mark Twain to Dave Chappelle. Tremendous book. Having a lot of fun off the air. We were talking a little bit again about uh, David and I being at the Nassau Coliseum back in the late 70s watching Steve Martin. We never thought that he was going to be any kind of a... I don't know, a show that people remember or anything, but Pete's the music. Oh, you were at Nassau Coliseum. I can't even, I'm still <laughs> like, that's one of the most, that's a legendary show in the history of stand-up. It's yeah. like, it's in the book. Cool. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, we had uh, Michael Elias on, who was uh, working with Steve Martin and uh, wrote some of that, or claims to have helped Steve Martin write some of that material and all. And he's oh same- yeah, I know. Yeah, I know that guy. He wrote that book. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, you know, he uh, he was uh, very complimentary and surprised as well. Uh, he was there that that night and all that. And it was just uh, just amazing that we would just we stumbled upon it. I mean, just because we would, we lived do you have here. the ticket stubs? Do you have you know how much it cost? Like, mm. I'm so curious about that show. The cost couldn't have been more than five bucks, David. What do you think? Maybe ten, maybe ten, if that. Yeah. Uh, The shirt, the T-shirt was five. Put it that way. So it couldn't have been that. I don't have the T-shirt, but I bought that also. It was one of those, you know, black concert T-shirts, except it was. Oh, yeah. They were selling stuff. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. But then they, yeah, yeah. I was just saying, but but, but 13 or whatever it is, 16,000 people walking out of the Coliseum. Just just to finish my point is, is all of us had smiles on our faces. You'd bump into somebody. I know this is not, wasn't Shangri-La, but you know what? After two hours or an hour and a half or whatever it was of Steve Martin in a Coliseum, walking out it was you know it was just everyone was just happy is the bottom line and that's what comedy does i think does it not it's pretty obvious i mean it's silly yeah you think that 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 exact thing happened at sebastian's concert or at kevin hart's concert or bill burr's concert the exact same collective joy whatever stand up kind of does you know the lowest Bill bill burr he's pissing me off because because he's a good actor too. That I don't. Like I know him. he's really good. He's very talented. <laughs> he's he's too. getting a lot of work, and he's really good. And uh. yeah. you know, so that that's the thing is that there's a common denominator uh, with the with comedy uh, that shows all of us that we can all get along. We all want to do and so forth. The pie in the sky. But the point is, the history of stand up shows you that history shows you where it's coming from, where it's going. You talk about the pandemic. You talk about we're going to do outdoor concerts. You talk about what might might be in the future and so forth. You're a little bit uh, trepidatious, a little bit in the book too, about what might or might not happen. I think uh, you know in terms of what's the future going to look like. You know for this uh, immediate time. Right. Yeah. I'm again. I don't. I hate. And I hate, but I don't like people that predict because they're usually wrong. And also, people that predict tend to have an elevated level of certainty that I have no idea why they're so certain that they know the future. I mean, if they did, they would be living in Las Vegas and be multimillionaires, betting on sporting events. So I I just don't know. I mean, I'm hoping that live stand-up, it'll be like a renaissance, and people will be so excited to be exactly what you described. I wish I, I feel like you described it better than I could. That communal feeling of like, oh my God, what we all just experienced, this is incredible. And you can't even, I feel like you can't even get that on a, a Netflix special, to tell you the truth, watching at home. I feel like that's a in, 
It's like, I don't know, same as watching the Rolling Stones in concert. It's just different than watching a film about the Rolling Stones. It is, and it puts you through It puts you through an experience, a shared experience that David and I have for the rest of our lives, so to speak, with, you know, just that one example of the NASA Coliseum, you know. And uh, we 43 years later, I got that right, though, by the way. Um, 43 years later, we are uh, we're still talking and enjoying. David Cohn, do you have anything else uh, to finish off this one uh, time that we're going to spend with Wayne Fetterman? We're going to definitely invite him no, back. Just- yeah, just hoping he comes back because uh, I'd I'd love to get into you know your experience doing stand up, okay, yeah, and yeah, what you went through, and because I know the short term, I the short time that I did it, that you know the feeling on the other side, right? When you when you get a big laugh and how like energizing mm-hmm. and how like good it feels that that you have that impact on people. So yeah, that among other subjects, love to have you come back. I'd be happy to talk about Wayne Fetterman. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Who would? Thank you. Okay. Is there okay. anything? Do I need a sign-off? We're going to say thank you very much, Wayne Fetterman. Everybody else listening, stick around because we want you to go to Amazon right now and pick up the history of stand-up from Mark Twain to Dave Chappelle. It's a tremendous book. I'm telling you, you're going to enjoy it. I don't recommend things I don't read myself and don't enjoy. It's the exact opposite. This is a great book. Going to get the summer coming up. You're going to really enjoy Wayne Fetterman's point of view on the history of stand-up and more. And uh, we're going to continue right here and more on Everything Old is New Again, is what we're trying to say. And listen, uh, that was an amazing time. We had a great time with Wayne Fetterman. Uh, David Cohen, going into this interview, I know we were saying you knew Wayne Fetterman. You you could look up his comedy routines on YouTube. You could see you know him on Curb Your Enthusiasm and, and a million shows. And he always puts a smile on your face. Did, did you feel... Uh, the 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 pressure uh so to speak coming back from him in other words he he was saying we challenged him right from the beginning on his thesis that stand-up comedy is not timeless and then we came full yeah, and circle by, and just to clarify by we you mean you <laughs> That's right. i had nothing to do with that <laughs> well i exactly right because because i still find comedy timeless but I'll have to qualify because he might be right about this. I think he is right about the stand-up comedy. The one yeah, I person. Think he, made a, he, made, he made a good point, right? Because that's a lot of many times that's topical and is about you know the time that you're in. Uh, but the comedy teams, uh, I think, is a little different, and certainly comedy movies is different. But that, but that's a totally different subject than stand-up comedy. So I was, I think, going into this kind of putting them all into one box and saying yeah you were too broad there are definitely different art forms so they're hard to lump all together but i could watch i mean there's a you just go to youtube and if you feel like doing this instead of you know watching the whole movies but there are wc fields routines that i still can watch to this day but they're in the movies you know the one where he's uh he's trying to sleep on the outside on the porch have you seen this yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it just uh, I I could watch that and and laugh uh, to this day, but it's but hundred percent, it's not stand up comedy. Um, right. So I think it's a it's it's a point well taken. But you know what, you have to have something to go in and and sort of you know chew you. <laughs> I have a topic to a talk bit. about. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, of so I think it worked pretty good. What, what, is this book the history of? Stand up comedy or the history of comedy? <laughs> stand up comedy. So listen. So that's- that's where your theory just, yeah. But I don't mind being uh, 
pointed out that I was wrong. I, I would prefer to, to have something that we talked about that gets your blood boiling than just go through the motions and talk about the same old thing. What yeah, a great, you got his you know, blood boiling. That was uh, that worked. <laughs> I hope it didn't offend. I think I think he took it in a in a, in a good way, and he I, I think he's he's certainly has a good sense of humor, of course. Yeah, so I, I think know, he he took it right. But the book is 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 really something because it, it, how did he research it? Like that's another. I, mean, I guess I could have looked into into that a little bit because to research Mark Twain and uh, and all these uh, all these people from the beginning of the the days of comedy and Buster Keaton and I mean just it, all he goes all the way back to you know the late eighteen hundreds to look at Artemis Ward and and Burt Williams and Will Rogers. Of course, there's a few recordings of Will Rogers, yes, but for the most part. He's now trying to, even in a book, there's recordings of all, most of the comedians that are a little more, you know, uh, let's say from the 30s on. But the question is, hmm, how do you translate that to a book? He doesn't try to give you the comedy routines in the book. He's giving you the history and the, the background of where these people came from and how they fit in. Does that make sense? Yes. So it's, it's much more interesting than that he's not just going to try to tell you did you hear the one about this that you know that uh, eddie murphy talked about you know it's it's a better read than that for sure it's there is, are there certain are there certain references to comedians that where you say to yourself oh i gotta go look that up i want to hear this person i want to hear that a hundred percent a hundred percent he will list just about any and every comedian you can think of. And in fact, he doesn't talk about comedy teams. He does exclude comedy teams uh, from his discussion. But while he does so, he does mention, of course, Abigail, but he mentions our favorites, Wheeler and Woolsey. How do you like that? He does talk about Wheeler Someone and Woolsey. Someone else confirming that they exist. They did exist in the parallel world. Go back and listen to the old show, shoot two shows on Wheeler and Woolsey. I think those were great shows. They were very interesting with uh, with the guests we had there. And, and yeah. it was just, yeah. you know, the expert on Wheeler and Woolsey, a comedy team from the 30s that you've probably never heard of that never were very famous. And, and, like, weren't that funny, but were highly successful without anyone realizing it. Right. Or at least without us realizing Exactly. Uh, I'd love to hear what he, what Wayne Fetterman has to say about Wheeler and Woolsey. But let's, go, let's come up with some additional topics to ask him about in our next section on Everything Old is New Again right here. Uh, and if we have Wayne back, what would we want to talk to him about? We'll be back. Ready this and Everything Old is New Again. Thanks for the memory of sentimental verse. This is Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Wayne, before I give you the, uh, our outro here, I just want to tell you that I actually, you're one of my favorite comedians that I've ever seen, ever. And I'm just so honored and lucky that I got to hang out with you and, and work with you. I really am a giant fan of yours, dude. Uh, thank you. Uh, that's incredible. I love the way the audience burst into spontaneous applause when you said that. That was... That felt good. Uh, we're waiting for. <laughs> there we go. We are applauding here on Everything Old is New Again. Uh, Wayne Fetterman recently on uh, Jimmy Fallon. Following up on his appearance with Everything Old is New Again. Let's be honest. Fallon is following our lead wherever we go. So, you know, we'll... He's we'll... always... Anyone we book, Fallon's gone the next week. Yeah. Like, come it's, on. it's amazing. Can't, you, the can't you book your own guests, yeah. Jimmy? But who asks better questions? Who gets them rolling? That was a love fest, as it should be, for the book. 
Yeah, you know, look, we're not sycophants. We're not we're not sucking up to anybody here, you know. We we like Wayne Fetterman too, but we're not going to be all drooly all over the guy. Yeah, we 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 did uh yeah, we did mix it up with him a little bit. Had some fun. He enjoys the the banter back and forth. Again, Wayne Fetterman, the history of stand-up from Mark Twain to Dave Chappelle. Amazing, great book. The only book you're going to read about the history of stand-up. <laughs> I don't think any out there. And this could set a tone, could be the next thing. Because Fetterman could then go into the history of comedy on television, the history of comedy on radio, the history of comedy in the movies. Am I wrong? The history of comedy teams. There's four books right there he's got to do. Am I wrong? Me- yeah, I, I think we should have him back and, and go over those options with him and, and how we can get cut into this. Exactly. We, we came up with this. Uh, we're going to call it a unique idea. It certainly isn't, but we'll say it is. We've announced it first right here on Everything Old is New Again. The unique idea of those books. So we're the driving force behind those books. Maybe we could do the introduction. Maybe we could get a thank you. Maybe we could. Uh, I think the, be- the closest we're ever going to get to being involved with a best-selling book, which I'm betting, I'm betting the history of stand-up is going to be, and these others that we follow up on. The closest we're ever going to get is buying those books. <laughs> I think that's You're but, probably right. But we, we could try. We could really dig and try to get, uh, get a, like maybe just a nod somehow. Well, we're lucky we get another interview. Let's put it that way. We're happy. Yeah, we'd be very lucky. Yeah. So um, the way you try to put him in his place and failed miserably. Yeah. It really wasn't intentional. I thought it was just an innocent. I really did thought it was just an innocent way to start the I'm start kidding. the conversation. You know. <laughs> yeah. You know. You had a theory and. Which was that his entire basis for his whole book was, was completely wrong. And he refuted you, I think, you know, did it in an admirable way that, that kind of cut you down to size. Well, so he wasn't was, trying to. It was very good. This book doesn't try to prove the thesis that stand-up comedy is, uh, is stuck in its time, so to speak, um, though that does certainly come out throughout the book. Like he, he, it's a very interesting point he made about Lenny Bruce. I see, so you're still getting into, into it with him. He's not even here. <laughs> it's the only way I can win the argument. Um, let's think about, let's think about Lenny Bruce's this discussion of Lenny Bruce. I think is very interesting because we, when we grew up in the sixties and seventies, we heard, and then there was the, the movie, I guess in the late seventies, early eighties about Lenny Bruce with Dustin Hoffman, right? He was so controversial <clears throat> as kids. We couldn't listen to him. We sort of didn't know what it was all about. We certainly couldn't go to the clubs. So we were in a, sort of the dark. But now when you listen to his tapes, they have tapes you can go on YouTube and listen to of, of Lenny Bruce. Have you done this is the first question. Uh, not recently, but I have, yeah. Yeah, and what is your impression? Because I, I sort of have an impression myself that's, I don't know. Um, I'll hold it back for a moment. I, wanna, I don't want to ruin it. I, I, I think it's a sort of thing, I, mean, I hate to use this expression, but you kind of had to be there at, at the time in, in the sixties when this was happening and kind of understand what the club scene was like back then and what was allowable and not allowable. So I, I don't think I can ever really appreciate what he did, whether I thought it was just funny listening to it. I mean, some of it was, yeah, but I, I don't think I, I just find myself listening to it and saying, I probably would have, you know, understood or appreciated this more at the time. Yeah. It was more, of um, breaking through the walls and uh, and I'm not I, this is not fair but Dice Clay is was somewhat broke different walls down when he did his thing remember right. and it was a right. huge hit 
for two years or something, and every college kid was playing his album left and right like crazy, and Hickory Dickory Dock and all that stuff, you know. And yep. and yeah, he had a shtick; he was different. But know? no one different. listens to it now. So there's Fetterman's no. point of view is exactly right. Both of those broke through barriers, but it the, the actual comedy itself may not have been that funny unto itself, you know. That makes sense. The, or the, it just didn't stand the test of time. Yeah, which again proves me wrong uh, about stand up and Wayne Fetterman correct. So, in uh, honor, honorarium, well, honorarium. How do you say that? In honor of Wayne That's Fetterman, funny. I will acknowledge that my thesis isn't a hundred percent correct. Um, and again, I started to bring up radio, and he's right when I talked about Jack Benny. Yeah, I never saw Jack Benny do stand up. He did his monologue in the beginning of a show, but that's not necessarily stand-up. Now, talk about stand-up and old-timers. I never really listened to or, I should say, laughed with Bob Hope. His movies, yes. His stand-up, no. David Cohen, what about you? Yeah, listen, when we were growing up, Bob Hope was just like this old fogey guy that was in these funny movies, and I never really liked them. Liked the movies. I never got him, you know. And then one day, oh, gosh, this is back... This is this is even a long time ago. It was in the uh, I guess the late '80s, maybe early '90s. He did a stand-up set where my brother was going to college, George Washington University down in D.C., and my parents were down for the weekend. And somehow we got tickets to see Bob Hope at this very very small like theater in at George Washington University, and we went to see him. And I have to admit, I, I laughed a lot during his set. I thought it was a really really good stand-up set and i was surprised at how much i was laughing and if you we did a show on the oscars and if you this is just a little peek into it we, you know you can listen back on everything old is new again dot biz and look for that show on the oscars we did a, a couple of clips of him he i think he was the first host or a couple of times he hosted the oscars in the beginning when he was young and contemporary uh he what you know listen the, the man had a huge career for a reason he was funny he did the right thing it just i think it's a good example of of just you know a different generation but when you get into that generation when you're live with someone and spending the two hours with that person it's a whole different feel and like you said like you're a college think about it you're a college kid or yourself or your brother was let's just say you were early 20s and you were listening yeah. to probably a 79 year old man on stage yeah. and he was making you laugh for two hours yeah, that's an amazing it's, it's tribute isn't it I, I think but you're right you i think you bring up a good point especially with comedy, it, it's a different experience when you're there in a club or you're watching someone do it live. It's very different than sitting and watching in the comfort of your own home. Because like you said, there's the shared experience of being in the club. There's that feeling of camaraderie. You know, you're sort of, you're rooting for the comedian to be funny. You know, you want to laugh, you want to have a good time. Um, and when you see instantly that this person, he or she is funny from the get-go, you're just you know, you just want to go along for the ride, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think seeing Bob Hope on TV versus seeing him do his thing live were two completely different experiences, and I appreciate it a lot more. And that, that's kind of what I was saying about Lenny Bruce, too, where that, that stuff, um, you know, m maybe it's a different subject, because I think the Lenny Bruce argument is that it just doesn't stand the test of time. But I think with Bob Hope, it's more about just being there with him, and I think that's, that's why people loved him. Well, there's another point of view, too, is... I'm saying two hours. I don't know how long he was on stage, but he had a certain period of time with you there to 
to engage himself with you, to develop the rapport, to develop the relationship uh, between audience and, and uh, let's say, comedian, you know? And, and when he's doing his three-minute routine before he introduces an act on a variety show, it's a totally different thing, you know what I mean? It's three, four, five jokes, and then they're going on to whatever. You're going to spend an hour and a half with somebody, you're invested, you know? And I agree with you, when we used to watch all these comedians at Eastside Comedy Club, in Huntington, New York, we as kids we were 17 and 16 and 18, and there were times where comedians, number one, great comedians, no audience, you have five people laughing, but it's not the same as 55 or 105 people laughing, right? could be the same comedian, but it's not the same experience, number one. Number two, we had many comedians up there that were poor, you know, just trying their stuff. And we want to try to laugh and try to support them. And then after a while, you go, I'm going to the bathroom. I'm going to take a break for a minute. To go. Well, you know, it's it's so embarrassing. We, yeah, but we also saw a lot of them trying new material a lot, too. Absolutely. Very, you know, very experimental. And, you know, look, a lot of times it just doesn't go over very well. And you just kind of pick the, the little bits of the uh, seeds of ideas that might have gotten a response. And you, you go with that. But when you're, you're just doing new material for the first time, it, yeah, sometimes it's hard to listen to in the audience, even if you do want to kind of laugh along. Right. But um, it developed our, I don't know what it, you could say, if it developed our sense of humor or added to it or, I don't know. It was, it was a, I think kids today miss so much. You know, it was a special time to say we did this probably, probably fifteen times. No, maybe more through the years. Uh, we would yeah. just get dates or just go ourselves to to the comedy right. club and and watch comedian at the comedian. We did it a lot. So that's, I mean, at seventeen, kids can't get in a car and do that now at seventeen. You know, uh, right. there's no sure. place to go. Forget the pandemic. Before all that, there's no place to go. You wouldn't be allowed in with the drinking and all this stuff. What, and, what was that? Wasn't there like also, didn't they have a ladies night on Friday night? They had a ladies night. Uh... So we would go like after ladies night ended, <laughs> we would go to Eastside Comedy because we figured, hey, it was all ladies before and uh, they were laughing, having a good time. Now they want to meet, uh, they want to meet people, yeah. you know, they so basically, why not and us? we did meet and them. We found out why not us. But at the time we thought, why not us? Yeah, We met them as they said, excuse me, and went to the coat check room and got their jackets and on the way out they went. <laughs> Yeah, but we had some great conversations <laughs> while they were walking out. I remember those. <laughs> we will continue our great conversations next week on Everything Old is New again, again, and again, and again. You've got to read this book. The History of Stand-Up, from Mark Twain to Dave Chappelle, Wayne Fetterman. We'll welcome him back whenever he likes. Hopefully he will come back, and we'll be back ourselves next week on Everything Old is New again.